we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 58 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Luke Matthews, and we're having a fireside chat today with Andrew Padel. Good evening. <laughs> we are reading, We for this uh, episode, we read Sin Titulo. It was a, it's a brand new hardcover of a webcomic by Cameron Stewart that came out this year. Uh, this was actually Anne's suggestion for the show. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it, and nobody could make it, I guess, so it's just, uh, it's just me and Andy today just talking about... Whatever the fuck we want to talk about. Fun fact, if you're looking up a webcomic, I don't recommend necessarily looking this one up at work because the image search brings up a whole lot of titties for some S- reason. Really? Sin, sin tit makes sense that you would you would just get tits. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> boobs, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, as usual, we will... Kind of, I don't know. There's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about on the show today. Uh, I was hoping to get more more discussion, but but we've got to talk about Shia LaBeouf. Shia the, the beef. beef. Uh, because since the last show, this is our first show of 2014. Uh, we, Happy New Year's. We had our best of, uh, best of 2013 episode in the last episode. And uh, in the two weeks since we've talked about that, Shia LaBeouf has... Has descended into a pit of <laughs> heroin, heroin and plagiarism, uh, and it is one of the funniest things I've seen on the net in a long time. Um, he uh, apparently there's a comic by Daniel Cloud. He made a short film about a critic, uh, like a movie critic, and there's a comic by Daniel Clouds that that he plagiarized whole cloth, like just took entire passages from it, and it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I was hoping the credits actually had him. As <clears throat> listed as uh, Daniel Klaus, <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. A short film by Daniel Klaus, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's interesting because people are people are starting. So he he went down this this rabbit hole of plagiarism, right? So the, of course the internet found other things that he had plagiarized, like a comic and a short story that were just like stolen from other people. But best of all, um, what did he plagiarize? He plagiarized his apology. <laughs> his apology to Daniel Klaus on the internet was stolen from other articles. There was like part of it was stolen from uh, from Tiger Woods' apology when he cheated on his wife. Part of it was um, his before he apologized, he had posted to Twitter a quote unquote explanation of what he did that wasn't really an apology. It was more like one of those like kind of half assed. Um, well, this is, you know, it was a, it was a, in my enthusiasm to blah, 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 I forgot to credit this guy, which was complete bullshit because it's like somebody else pointed out, I was like, yeah, in your enthusiasm, because you've never ever like the biggest movie franchise you've ever been in is a goddamn licensed franchise. So you're not aware that things need, that people need to be paid for their intellectual properties. Um, and then, so he, he went to like, they found out that a good chunk of what he had written in that like pseudo apology was stolen off of an answer from like, 
like a Yahoo Answers. Answers.com or something. It was like Yahoo Answers from like 2009. Somebody asked some question about plagiarism and the answer was on Yahoo Answers and he, he fucking just copied it. And, and, and like, um, it, I don't, I don't like, there are people who are positing that he is in the midst of a, like Andy Kaufman esque, like trolling comedy routine, right? But I don't think Shia LaBeouf's that smart. Um. Oh man, who was uh, the uh, the actor who became the hardcore rapper? Um, uh, actor who became a hardcore rapper. It was like it was his Andy Kaufman moment. I can't think of his his name at the moment. Son of a bitch. It's too early. Okay, but I, I find it really strange how every once in a while an actor will just go off the deep end, and then. Always, it seems like they're like, well, I was just trying to do something Andy Kaufman-ish that's, you know, out there. Maybe people won't get it or not. Like, No, you just fucked up. It's okay. Yeah, right? It's just like, can you imagine, can you imagine, I, I've got to imagine that Andy Kaufman, if he's actually dead, because that's another story, uh, it was, it's like rolling over in his grave that people have decided to use his style as an excuse for fuck-ups, right? Yeah, that's because, good. because... There was a brief period of time when Andy Kaufman was was doing the things that he was doing where people were like, this guy's fucking nuts, and he's just gone off the deep end. But then you just, like, he did it so often and so completely, and people just knew, like, knew that at a, out, there was a certain point where they were like, this guy's a, I mean, you might not like what he's doing, he's trolling the shit out of people, but what he's doing is fucking genius, right? So, okay. And it's like, and it's, so one, if I'm trying to remember this right. So Andy Kaufman originally, you know, was doing stand-up comedy. Then he had um, someone act as him as he acted as a heckler. Then yeah. after that, he had someone else act as him and someone act as the heckler, and he would come in. Mm-hmm. Correct. There's all all kinds of things that fucking Andy Kaufman did. I I like the whole. Um, Tonight Show, where he got his ass beat by a pro wrestler because he was like just being a dick, you know. <laughs> like there's there's all kinds of things that that he did that was just like, just like you f- you realize how smart the guy is, right? When he's doing this stuff, and he was he was somehow able able to pull it off successfully. And people try and do that now. They try like there are people. There was a discussion that I was reading on Twitter before I took my break from it that um, I can't remember who it was that was getting trolled, but there was a, a female comics creator that was getting, um, that got some really, really bad, like misogynist tweets from this guy. Uh, and somebody jumped in and tried to defend him because if you look at this guy's Twitter feed, it, it was just, um, it was just garbage. It was like, uh, horrendous, sexist, like really terrible stuff. And somebody jumped in is like, oh, well, that's just a persona. And he's just, you know, he's just, you know, pushing this persona out there as a, as comedy. And um, it was uh, Brian Michael Bendis, I think, and one other guy were both jumped into the conversation. And they're like, where is the point where um, this, there, there's no practical difference between acting like an asshole and, and being, being an, an asshole. asshole. If you're acting like an asshole to someone who's acting, that's one thing. If you're acting like an asshole to someone who is actually being themselves, you're just an asshole. Yeah, right. There's no, there's just no functional difference there. Um, and and like the like the things that Kaufman did were just they were rarely were they ever being 
a dick to someone who didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. They were, he was doing things with people in the know and playing the audience, but he was never really just being an asshole to someone just to be in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's why I really get bothered by people who try and, um, who are trying to, no, who are trying to justify the things that Shia LaBeouf was doing by saying, by comparing him to Andy Kaufman. He is, you are no Andy Kaufman, sir. Mr. LaBeef, you are <laughs> no Andy Kaufman. Mr. LaBeef. Um, so, I don't know. I, 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 it's hilarious, don't get me wrong, but it's more hilarious in the way of watching someone who at one point might have had a decent career just go... I don't know. I kind of lost all faith in him once I saw him swinging with the monkeys. Oh, the monkey swing was how the worst you, part. Of- how dare you rape my childhood in, with Transformers and then yeah. kill Indiana Jones? As you know, as I'm people concerned. people say that the people people use the phrase "nuke the fridge" uh, as a jump the shark. No, it's and, the monkey swing <laughs> because monkey swing? because the nu- nuke the fridge part it's dumb, but I can kind of cope with it. The the monkey swing lost me. Like what pissed me off the most about the monkey swing was the scene that happened right before that when they were fighting over the giant swarm of ants. Yeah, I'm like, this is the Indiana Jones that I know and love. Yeah, it's awesome. And then it just took this like straight plummet into the shitville. And the funny thing is, too, the rest of that scene, like I didn't, I even liked the like the sword fight between the two cars. Like the cars are, you know, the jeeps <laughs> are running and they're like sword fighting with. Okay, I can cope with that. And somehow in all of that shit show. The monkey swing, just like I just was literally in the theater, and I kid you not, I was like I was kind of entertained up until that point. I'm like, okay, this isn't this isn't the best indie movie, but it's not the worst. And I'm like, it's 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 up till that point, it's pretty much on par with like Temple of Doom. And then I like Temple of Doom. I, I like Temple of Doom, but it's okay. To back up, I like Temple of Doom, but it's clearly the worst of the movies, or worst of the first three. Okay, I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like Temple of Doom quality, and then the monkey swing. Whatever reason, I just went. Come on! <laughs> it's just like click turned off. Like as yeah. soon as they found the alien skull, it's like okay, no, this is even dumb. that. Even that didn't bother me, and the reason that that didn't bother me is, is because you're talking about a series of movies where the Holy Grail is real, the Ark of the Covenant melted the faces off of a bunch of Nazis, and there is a um, a temple of of Satan worshiper type people that are Shiva. able to that are able to keep people alive after pulling their beating hearts out of their chest. I'm okay with aliens, whatever. That's fine. And it, the reason why the alien thing didn't bother me is because of the fact that set, setting it in the fifties, you know, the whole point was the, the kind of like the Roswell yeah. thing. And I'm like, eh, that that's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. So uh, I want to go over to talk about Big Bang Theory for a second. I I'm not show. a big fan of the show. I it's, hate that show. I'm pretty much indifferent to it, actually. Yeah. It's not even worthy of, you know, feelings. Uh, there's a specific episode feelings. where... All, all the dem feels, man. All dem feels. <laughs> there's an episode where they're talking, uh, and one of the, the girls brings up to one of the main characters, like, the fact that Indiana Jones is completely pointless, because if Indiana Jones does not exist, the Nazis still open the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. and they still get their faces melted. Yep. 
that killed that movie for me to a certain extent. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it, that's brilliant, but why? Why would you bring that to my attention? Yeah, right. He never. He doesn't actually. He doesn't. Do he doesn't anything. save anything or fix anything. And even if you consider like, um, like Temple of Doom, maybe he did something sort of. But even <laughs> he if shot he, the shit out of some Nazis, right? And then in the third movie, which is the best of them in my opinion, the, the Last Crusade is awesome. But he's just as useless because. He gets, like, it's this race to find the Holy Grail. He gets to the Holy Grail the same time as the bad guys. And in fact, the only reason the bad guys even make it to the Holy Grail is because he shows them how to get there. (laughs) And then when he gets there, he happens to understand the, the, you know, which cup to pick. But if he hadn't been there, the Nazis wouldn't have known which cup to pick. They would have picked five random cups and all of them would have died. <laughs> so Indiana Jones, some the cause ar- and solution to all problems. Apparently. <laughs> some fucking archaeologist he is, right? <laughs> I do like the the scene. I think it's in the second one where he's on the boat and he's just getting punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a proponent of watching Harrison Ford get punched. <laughs> I'm like, I can I can watch this scene for like five days. Oh, there I, there was. Go ahead. I was no continue. There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up that I thought was brilliant. Somebody posted an article to the Atlantic of all places. So Chip Zdarsky, the art, uh, the uh, artist for Sex Criminals, is hilarious on Twitter for one, and B apparently is one of the most awesome human beings in the world. What, uh, what about A or two? What you said? One, he's this, and B. <laughs> but as you were saying, Chip. Um, there's an article, and apparently BuzzFeed has collected all of these together, but the article on The Atlantic talks about, apparently, he got onto a a, uh, a Canadian local Applebee's restaurant's Facebook page and has started basically a, like, nobody else posts to this Facebook page except that Applebee's, and apparently he has started this, like, months-long, like, pseudo trolling dialogue like a tirade with against them? no not even a tirade against him he's like he made he's like their best friend in the world <laughs> and it is fucking awesome so it, it's little things like like applebee's will keep posting things to try and get responses and nobody else will respond and he respond like this one that they list is a, a applebee's posts which early bird entree do you think are you thinking about ordering today and he responds with the worm haha get it and he's like I know you. I know you don't serve worms. It's just a joke. And Applebee's responded to him with "good joke," and he's like, "Thank you." And oh, it's little no. shit like that, and it's like it goes on and it gets worse. And the funniest one in there is that there there is uh, there is one where I don't honestly believe that this person is real, but it looks like he started a separate Facebook account for his his quote unquote uncle Melvin. Melvin Zadarsky, right? I mean, this is some brilliant trolling. Like, this is amazing. And so he was asked what he was doing, and it said, he said, his response was, 
It started one day when I noticed my parents both, quote unquote, liked a photo of a hamburger in our hometown Applebee's Facebook page. I thought it was funny, so I joined in like one big happy family celebrating this hamburger photo. But then I started digging deeper on the page and noticed it was, well, pretty barren of comments. It just seemed like whoever was in charge of their social media kept putting up new photos and trying to engage in conversation and was left with a whole lot of nothing. So I started chiming in. Now, now this is my this is the part where he's clearly trolling. He says, now normally I'd be snarky to a chain restaurant on social media but i felt different right off the bat they were relentlessly upbeat and would respond to everything with a positive (laughs) message there were no wrong answers with this applebee's it was kind of sweet i found myself really looking forward to seeing how they'd react to my postings (laughs) and they never disappointed me that's good i remember this is from about five years ago there was a uh I don't know if it was an Etsy page or something like that, where the person was selling a sweater that had two wolves on it. Mm. And it was Amazon. It was an Amazon. Yeah, the wolf, the wolf shirt on Amazon. Yeah, and the the product reviews were back back in the day. Uh, Suicide Girls had decided to troll the fuck out of this wolf sweater, <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the compliments just got more and more insane until finally, like the the. the breaking point was someone's like i had aids and this sweater cured it not actually the sweater just looking at the photo of it and it just at that point it went full tilt and the sweater <laughs> yeah. was the holy grail yeah i've i've seen that run and that is that it is was amazing priceless yeah this this run by zadarsky is it's pretty fucking epic and if you can find there's the atlantic article that posts just a few of them but like i said um, there's a buzzfeed article where they uh, where they collect all of them, and as much as I, um, as much as I don't want people to patronize BuzzFeed, uh, it's worth it just to look at this chain of comments because he's definitely he's clearly just being upbeat and funny. But if you if you've ever like if you follow Zadarsky on Twitter or if you've ever listened to him talk or just seen the stuff that he's done, he's he's. He's happy trolling is what he's doing. It's like <laughs> it's just like it's funny because like the, the only two real experiences I've seen of him outside of his work mm-hmm. are that you know the photo of him from the cover, the fourth printing of Sex Criminals, <laughs> yeah. which is straight out of the eighties with him in a sweater vest, and this happy. I, I wonder if he really is just a, a you know stupidly happy guy <laughs> who has this real dark side. Uh, I, I don't know. That would be a that would be an interesting counterpoint to Matt Fraction. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Speaking well, I was thinking Casanova, but let's talk about the most important news as far as I'm concerned of twenty fourteen. Yes, and that is. a uh, little book called The Umbrella Academy. Woo. What's that? Not one but two new volumes two coming new out. Two new volumes coming out in twenty fourteen. So um the first one Maybe they will actually reprint the first fucking deluxe hardcover so that I can buy all of them instead of paying four hundred dollars for the first hardcover ah whatever it's it's worth it no it's not no, it is. no comic it, it, book it, is it, worth four hundred dollars I, I beg to differ but so um hotel oblivion the third one uh they talked about specifically um gabriel or i'm sorry uh way with gerard way gerard way thank you i'm like i can't remember his first name at the moment that's okay when we were doing the umbrella academy episode you couldn't remember his first name either you kept calling him gerald yeah whatever <laughs> Was that in the future? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Uh, so Hotel Oblivion, the third one, has been he'd been talking about it for about two years at this point. Um, but I guess he's got that done, and they're working on the fourth one. Nice. So that makes me very, very happy. Yeah. Uh, for people who haven't listened to the show the entire run, it's Umbrella Academy is in my top five 
uh, it completely came out of left field. And I picked up the first issue that I ever had on accident because I thought it had something to do with Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! This is like the this is like Umbrella Corporation's farm team. Yeah, I was like, oh okay, obviously this is you know some like you know like they're training people for the Umbrella Academy. This has nothing to do with this, but it's fucking amazing. Um, it's kind of like the exact opposite of you know, as opposed to stepping in dog shit, you step into a pile of hundred dollar bills and you're like, oh this is oh wow, <laughs> there's just money here. Yeah, go back and listen to the uh, to the. Uh, the podcast we did about it a long time ago. I don't remember which episode it is. <laughs> twenty-seven. I was, I was trying episode to, twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to look at what episode it was, and I I, can't, I couldn't look it up. So, um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely worthwhile. But it's number what eight in the feed? Uh, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a while ago. There is one last thing that I want to talk about that has absolutely nothing to do with comics, um, and it has something to do with with etiquette and personal space. So, this morning. I was stupid. We were, we were starting our podcast recording at 10 a.m. <clears throat> I set my alarm. I got up in the morning. I got dressed. I showered. I hugged my wife. I went out the door. I started driving here and looked at my clock, and it was 8.35 in the morning. And I'm like, I clearly uh, misscheduled everything. Because last week, we, or last show, we recorded at 9 a.m. Um, <clears throat> and this time, I just set everything to get here at 9 a.m. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So anyway, uh, I went to the store and then I went... Um, to Applebee's? I w- no. And then I went to a, a restaurant uh, down the street, the Village Square Cafe. And the Village Square Cafe has a, a row of... Um, it has a bar. And a, like, it's a breakfast restaurant. A, a bar and a row of stools on the bar that run along the front side of the restaurant. And they're about three feet, three and a half feet from the front windows. The problem is, is the place gets really packed, right? And when it's cold outside like it is today, they have a, a line of people waiting, and those people all line up along those windows. So they're pretty much molesting the people that are sitting on the bar stools. Only if they're doing it right. Yeah, so I'm sitting there trying to eat my breakfast, and it was fine for a little bit because most, like where I was sitting, there weren't any people. This group of people comes in, and there's this, this I'd say, mid-40s lady who not only is so keep in mind there's i'm not even exaggerating maybe three and a half feet of space between my ass and the window and instead of lining up single file along the window she decides to step out so she can talk to the people lined up against the window so she is literally like bumping into me every time she moves and about every two minutes like first of all a little bit of personal space like secondly she's standing there right over my shoulder right in my right ear about every two minutes going i'm i'm sitting there with a face full of chicken fried steak and she's sitting in my ear and and i don't know where i'm going with this story other than to be like what the fuck well you know the the solution for that is right an elbow to the nose i was a stabber with a fork <laughs> yeah right spill hot coffee on her face over your shoulder just be yeah. like i went for a drink Whoa, and just boom oh i don't know how that happened there were hand gestures involved there people <laughs> just to let you know uh, i i just 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 back the fuck off back the fuck off and understand the people around you like have a little little tiny bit of awareness for your fucking surroundings fuck that 
So I actually have a Village Square Cafe story as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, so between this show and the last one, um, I had uh, about a week and a half off of work, which was amazing. I drank a bottle of rum and tried <laughs> not to get up before 1 p.m., and I was successful in that. I think I actually woke up at 4 p.m. one of the days. And Well done. Village Square Cafe is... I literally live 30 feet from Like, you could fall into their front door from your apartment. Yeah. Uh, That was one of the reasons I moved into the apartment that I moved (laughs) into. (laughs) Uh, After drinking a bottle of rum, you could literally fall into their front door. (laughs) And I really hate the fact that it gets super crowded. So my girlfriend and I were talking, and we wanted to go, and neither of us particularly wanted to get up at ass in the morning or wait in line. So we're like, okay, here's how we're going to solve this problem. We're going to stay up all night until 6 a.m. when they open. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. We walked in, and there was no one in the restaurant. Immediately had our food. It was the best decision I did over the entire break. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And to, to to bring it back around before we move on to our next segment, uh, Umbrella Academy was episode 11 of the show. So if you want to get some information about the, the first run of Umbrella Academy before the next ones come out, uh, go give it a shot. For the last two weeks, we have been reading Sin Titulo. It is a webcomic by Cameron Stewart. Uh, it's written and drawn by Cameron Stewart and was released just recently at the beginning, well, technically, uh, at the end of 2013. It was December of 2013, uh, released in a pretty gorgeous hardcover by Dark Horse Comics. Yeah, aesthetically, it's really a nice book. Yeah. Um, it w- It is a... It's kind of hard to describe. It's... It's a little bit of a um, kind of this weird, like existential thing, uh, dimension hopping storyline where this guy uh, he keeps having dreams about uh, walking on a beach and seeing a very specific tree and a person like um, sitting under the tree, and his uh, his kind of life gets kind of taken over by by these dreams and and his obsession with them. Yeah, um, his life is. He's he's already um, you know kind of not concentrating on his work and his wife is starting to get upset with him and and then that kind of goes down the drain when his father who was in a mental institution or maybe old just folks an home. old folks home yeah it wasn't really a mental institution just an old folks home father passes away and when he goes there to collect his father's belongings um, kind of falls down this rabbit hole of weird shit that happens to him madness. Um, uh, you know, aside from that, it's it's a little hard to describe uh, because it's a webcomic that's been going since it started in 2007 and it ended in 2013. So it's like five and a half years uh, it's been going. And I think it's a weekly, it was a weekly comic. Um, it's, the format is... Um, Sunday comic, eight or four by two panel. Yeah, four by two panel. It's, it's, the book actually reminds me a lot of, um, you remember the, like the paperback, Garfield collections yeah, they yeah. used to release like it's the same basic size as that it's like wide uh, and short um, and uh, the the artwork is it's monotone I shouldn't say black and white because it's it's like it's black uh, black and white line art with um, a single like kind of beige sepia uh, toning for the color um, and it's like the artwork is the artwork is good. Um, I'm not gonna lie. It's um, it's it's very Darwin Cookish. Yeah, yeah. That's a good that's a good way to put it. Um, it uh, it works really well for for the comic that it that it's 
that it is. Um, the one thing that I wanted to comment on, as far as the format is concerned, is like yeah, it's very it's very like Sunday comics. It's um, it's always eight panels. It's always you know f- four wide, two tall. And one of the things that I actually uh, I think there's one that is not. I think there's a single. The first time that you actually see the original painting, which is towards the end of the book, um, I think it's just one big panel. Is it? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That is the only exception. It's just him standing in front of the painting, the original painting. So, um... I'll talk... I would say... No, go for it. Well, what I was going to say is the the thing that I actually really liked about uh, the format was, you know, over the years... Comics in both forms, both, you know, like Sunday comic strip style comics and comic books um, have like comic books started with the three by or three by three nine panel pages. Right. And they were always nine panels and you tried to tell your story in those nine panels. And then over the years, artists started getting famous for breaking that mold and doing uh, either weirdly shaped panels or originally it was just things like combining panels into one or two things and then changing kind of the flow of a page. Um and even Sunday Comics started to do that. Like Calvin and Hobbes was a big one where Bill Watterson was like, I want to do different stuff. Let me do different stuff. So he was, you know, he was one of the first guys that started doing like the, uh, the one or two panel like um, kind of prologue panels to his comics before the actual content started on the Sunday versions yep. and, and doing some other, you know, things where he kind of broke the, broke the mold with like the, um, the Spaceman Spiff stuff. Yeah. And, what I think is interesting about Sintitulo is that it kind of back it backs up to that original like you know kind of old school very strict panel formatting and he he really does a good job of making it work absolutely like he he does a great job of you know when you need to focus on something he extends it out over several panels and when you need some, when something needs to happen fast it like happens you know it's like rapid succession yeah, on the, the panels the and he, pacing is excellent the pacing is really good um especially in the first half i'd say because the whole point of the book at least in the first half is that you're su- you're supposed to be fucking confused yeah like and you are it's, right? it's all build up it is all build up yeah and um, you're just as confused through the whole thing as as the main guy is, whose name I can't remember because I'm unprepared. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, and he like he does a really good job with his pacing, even though he doesn't ever really break the format. And that and w- it makes that page that you were talking about, where he stand, he finally gets to see the original painting, and it's one full page and you know what what makes it interesting to me is that this in a weekly format meant that that week's comic was that one panel yeah and that's extremely impactful it was even extremely impactful when i was reading the book right because yeah, it's, it's um, the first time that really anything breaks the mold in this story mm-hmm. i mean i kind of to a certain extent wish that i would have read this as weeklies but i don't think the payoff is worth it um but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, going through it, you know, uh, it's like, you know, okay, four by two, four by two, four by two, four by two. Then there's this, you know, the painting, and it's just one panel. And reading it in rapid succession, I don't think it has the same sort of effect as it did as an original reader would have seen it if someone was following. Like waiting a week after the last one and then being like, boom. 
yeah. here's this thing. I, I'm kind of curious sort of what Anne's perspective was on that because she's been reading that since the show started. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the th- the to ex- to kind of explain where this comes from, and this is where some of our spoilers are going to come in, um, the dream that this guy has is walking on a beach and there's, there's a very specific tree that's on the cover of the book um, and there's a person sitting under the tree and in his dream he gets to varying degrees of being able to see this person. Sometimes it's just a silhouette. Sometimes he gets close enough and sees that it's a woman sitting beneath the tree and then there's one time where he dreams that she looks at him and um, it's so vividly realistic to him that he has to, he's trying to find out what it means because it's recurring and it's realistic and um, he's, he remembers every detail of it. And then at one point you find um, an, he finds another person who see, has the same dream basically yep. he's seeing the same things. And it, and this guy takes him back to his house and it turns out that he's an artist and it has been, has basically spent his entire life drawing pictures of this dream and trying to get it right and failing, never basically never close quite enough. getting it close enough. Um, you you brought out Parker. You were going to say something about oh, it. Oh, I was just, um, to go back to the the art style for a minute. Really, it's very similar to Darwin Cook's style, where it's very bold lines. Um, it's tritone. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very. I'm trying to think of something a little bit less. Esoteric and Darwin Cook. Uh, I think Batman the animated series, uh, the original. There's one. a little bit of. I'd say there's a little bit of like Brian Hurt in Dick, it. Dick Tracy. You know? Yeah, Dick Tracy, Brian Hurt, yeah. the, that kind of stuff. It's like the characters, um, like most of the main characters, especially the the guys, all have like dots for eyes. Um, you know, so it's or it's, if they have eyes at all. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a little like kind of an old school style, and it's it's interesting um, how he portrays different characters by how he portrays their eyes. Um, it's it's strange. It's it's a strange comic. Um, so I sort of see it as a series of vignettes that it's this weird supernatural world, and you don't really know what the payoff is. But there are so many questions that are just left completely unanswered mm-hmm. that I I. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't really either. So there, there's some. And what's weird is from a from a horror perspective, um, there there's a, there's a few horror elements in here. So yeah. eventually, what what it boils down to, um, the story goes. He you know he kind of falls down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out what the painting is. Basically ruins his marriage in the process. Loses his is it job. his marriage or is it his girlfriend? I'm not girlfriend. Sure. It's probably his girlfriend. relationship. His relationship. Um, and then there's there's this kind of neat uh, thing. So the, as as his life falls apart and he finds out more and more about this place, he finds out eventually that he's. It's not just a dream. It's basically an alternate dimension, and he's able to travel there. Uh, by, however, however, he it doesn't does it. really. It, it does, it. Yeah, he just thinks of it and he's there. Um, goes there a few times and meets a couple other people who are able to travel to it as well, and then finds out toward the end of the book. Spoilers again that um, it was the creation of one of the inhabitants' fathers. Yeah, one of the inhabitants' fathers made this painting, and made it so real that it became a place and then he basically got not just sucked into it but 
has spent his entire existence trying to flesh it out and make it and expand it and expand it and make it so so much more real and he makes a comment about how he as a single person only has a limited imagination and because he only has a limited imagination he can only create just so much space and make it real enough to be able to travel to Um, and he's the idea that I got so toward the end of the book one of the cool things is through the book you see you see um, flashbacks this guy has flashbacks to moments in his life when there was when this kind of this monster appeared in his life, right? Like in like when he was a kid, it was like the kind of the boogeyman in the closet, like watching him type thing. And at toward the end of the book, he's in the the alternate dimension with the guy who created it, and this guy draws like a picture of this like boogeyman thing and cuts holes out for the eyes and has him hold it up to his face. And every time he holds it up to his face, it gives him a glimpse back onto a a different point in his life and it turns out that every single time in the future that he does that he appears as a monster in his in to his himself. past to yeah. himself that was probably the coolest conceit in the storyline and me. then they just let, let it go they, they just, never explain it and they just left it there's so like there's so much symbolism and really neat ideas that just get dropped in yeah. the, towards the end of the book and um, I, yeah, go ahead. So outside of that, like everyone in this alternate world, um, you never see their eyes. You never see their eyes. Either they're wearing sunglasses. Um, the butler wears a blindfold. The the blonde girl who's from this world is always wearing sunglasses, except for this dream sequence where she has maggots for eyes. Yeah, she takes her off, and she's got she's just got nothing. And I think that's supposed to symbolize something, but I'm not quite <laughs> sure what. Yeah, I don't know if this book is. I can't quite tell if this book is smarter than me or smarter than itself. Um, it's probably that Cameron Stewart is just smarter than me and he's got, you know, there has got to be some sort of like backing philosophy behind this or that, that he would try to infuse a story with. It's a consistent world. I'll say that. Much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I don't, I don't as the reader understand where that consistency is. Um, to go to the, back to the story for a minute. Um, so the the first, I don't know, three quarters of it are really just build up, build up, build up. And then at the end, there's um, a very dramatic scene where he's fighting against sort of his, I don't want to say it's a villain. Um, it's kind of his arch nemesis. His arch nemesis. He shows up in the early, early in the book when he goes to get his uh, stuff, his father's stuff from the old folks home. This is how he kind of gets drawn into this thing in the first place is one of the orderlies there is abusing people. And he decides, he tries to report it and gets his ass beat by this orderly and then follows him and the orderly ends up taking him to the first place where he first gets a glimpse of this like kind of alternate uh, for David Lynchy weird like world. Um, And that he kind of becomes... He he does really become a a villain through the the book. Yeah, I mean, the the nemesis would be the best word that I would use to describe it. And... um, Sort of that conflict goes throughout the entire book, and it's resolved at the end. And I think that um, towards the very end, when the climax happens where that conflict is resolved, uh, there's an interaction between the main character, the protagonist, and this blonde girl who's from the other world. Mm -hmm. And there's supposed to be... There's a very key scene in there where she says, it's not your fault, and then at that point, sort of some things correct themselves in his head, and he's able to defeat his nemesis. There's something that I'm missing about that... That. The only thing that I can think of really is that um, I, I have this idea that that 
that's God, I'm going to sound so stupid. And I, and at this point I don't really care because like I said, I think the book is smarter than me, but it, it all the, that end sequence all very much seems like, um, his life kind of has spiraled a little bit out of control in his normal life. And the more and more he gained access or tried to follow to, to this, um, to this alternate world, it spiraled even more and more out of control. And I think it all stems in his psyche. It all stems from him, um, kind of, kind of beating on himself for all of his problems. Right. And blaming himself for things like he had this relationship with this girl from France that kind of fell apart. And he, he was like, I wonder, you know, he has, has this moment where he's like, I wonder what I did. He ruins his relationship with his current girlfriend. He, um, he just like everything kind of gets fucked up. And then I feel like that point at that, that conflict at the end was him, finally putting it all behind him which is the point where he's he's sitting he's been chased into the alternate world he's getting gotten the shit beaten out of him by this by this villain nemesis, and he's yeah. nemesis he's got a gun and he starts apologizing and goes to shoot himself shoot in himself head. in the head and that's when the girl says it's not your fault and he f- and it's this like snap in his brain where he's like it's it's actually not my fault and he can't kill himself, and he turns the gun on the on the nemesis, kills him. I think that's symbolic of him choosing to accept his exactly. own fate and not blaming himself anymore. And he's like, okay, I can do something about this. Right. Which leads into the end, where he calls someone. I have my own, interp- my own interpretation of this, but we'll get back to that in a minute. Because I'm going to make Anne listen to this, because she made me read this book. And I'm like, fucking explain <laughs> this to me, goddammit. Um. Oh, you know what? I think actually your theory, your theory was, go ahead. Oh, so uh, I'm going to just go through this story as quickly as possible. There's a guy who's made some interesting decisions and, you know, whatnot. His life has gone to shit. He finds this alternate world that was created by someone else where he meets another girl. Uh, In the alternate world, he comes to sort of an inner peace, which leads him to go back. And in the end, he calls someone and it's never clear in the book, but I think he's actually calling the French girl because he realizes his relationship fell apart. Their previous relationship just fell apart for no reason that he understood. I think he's sort of like, wait, I have control over my own life. So this is what I want and this is what I'm going to go for. Yeah, because I think that was one. That was a key thing with that relationship that they, they when they talk about it. They show how, like, he went to France and he was there for a while and he had this amazing fling with this girl and, you know, every day was awesome. And then he had to move back to the States. And basically the way that it worked is he moved back to the States and their long-distance relationship kind of fell apart. And they and when she came to the States, everything was different so that they didn't have, basically, they didn't have the spark that they had when they were in France. And he just kind of lets her go. Right. And and that I think is I think you're right. I think you're right that he's calling her at the end, mostly because also he says, hi, it's me. It's Alex. He specifies his name, which he wouldn't do with his current girlfriend. His current girlfriend would know that it's him. Um, but I think that's like earlier in the book. He's just a he's kind of a pussy, honestly. Yeah. And he just lets shit happen around him, which is why that one page toward the end where it's got all, it's got the faces of all of these people his that have antagonized his him. His dad, his boss. His yeah. His current girlfriend. Yeah. And even, and then the last one is himself and he's like, what have you got to show for your life? And it's just this whole thing about him 
just letting shit happen to him all his life, and now the end is where he finally says, nope, it's my turn. I'm taking control now. So I now I agree with you. I agree that he's, he's calling the French girl because at the time, she, he just kind of lets her leave without fighting at all for her, without fighting yeah. for what they had, without... He's just like, oh, okay, and she's gone. And now he's kind of gone through all this bullshit to try and you know fallen into this alternate universe and gone through all this bullshit and finally figured out that again this is what he wants yeah um all of that being said i'm not sure that the payoff that happens at the end is worth uh five year build up the five year build up that that comes before it and the the shame of that is that the build up is pretty awesome it's like it's one of the better ones that I've ever read. Like they do it it's they do he does some just amazing things uh and with the way he tells his story and the and the things that he puts into it but it's just like the end they never really the the problem is that the build up asks a lot of questions and the payoff doesn't answer all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about is some, is definitely stuff that you can interpret from how the story was written, but it's not explicitly spelled out. Which that exactly that really doesn't bother me too much. I think they just he leaves way too many holes with the 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 whole alternate universe part of how this story is told. There's too many holes left with that trying to figure out like is this is this just his is is this just his psychosis is he is he just a nut job and he's seeing all this is it actually happening to him like once again i'll go back and say that there's so much symbology in here and i am not an expert on that sort of stuff neither am i um i think someone who has a, a strong literary background will be able to pick up on these things a lot better than me yeah um i mean i've said multiple times that i'm quite content to read you know, comics where superheroes are punching each other in the dick. <laughs> and this is very, very highbrow. Um, it's, it's, uh, and it maybe, like I said, maybe it's smarter than me. And that's one of the things that I always wonder when I, when I read something that outsmarts me, I always wonder, is it actually highbrow or am I just stupid? You know, <laughs> for me, it's an easy one. I'm just stupid. Yeah. And that's entirely possible. It might be that I'm just like, um, you know, I just don't have any clue what's going on. Um, but that being said, when you, when you come up with an ending for your story, you have to pay off the buildup. You have to pay off the things that you've been stringing your audience along about for so long. And I don't think he succeeds very well at that. I kind of, I kind of understand what he did, I don't necessarily think that it works. Okay. Uh, like, uh, I just have questions that I don't feel that the ending answers, and I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Um, like, he, you know, there's a, a good section where it is explained what the world is and all this and sort of how everyone fits into that puzzle. But that's not all the questions I had. Like, so you've got this alternate reality maybe, but at the end of the book, he's calling this girl from France that, you know, he really wants to talk to. However, he's been accused of killing two people and yeah. there's a bunch of stuff that sort of is serious stuff that just, you know, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. At, yeah. at which point I'm like, oh, I don't know what's 
Right. Like that, that's that's it's interesting that they result that he resolves the storyline ab- about the alternate universe kind of he kind of resolves it. And it's interesting that he's found this new inner peace, but when he's walking down the street at the end, how does he not like how does all of the shit that he's gone through just not matter anymore? Um like like that's the thing he I'm I'm here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if by killing the other guy in the alternate universe and making this decision in that universe, did he erase the things that had happened in the real world? Maybe. Like because he there's the, there's that last the second to last uh page where um, he, bumps you know, he's, he bumps into the cops in a store. He's been a wanted fugitive for weeks on end, and he bumps into the cops in the store, and they don't even notice who he is. Yeah. So maybe that's the the way that they're explaining the you know this is you know it, this stuff did not happen anymore. Yeah. Or something along those lines. I don't know. Or did it ever happen in the first place? Right. Yeah. It's like I, I don't know. It's uh, a little bit too Twin Peaks ish for uh, me. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's um. And that's that's where I, that's where I find myself torn on whether I like it or not because I like a lot of it as a whole package and and I'll explain here's the biggest thing that makes it changed my mind right before we watched the show because when I read this I thought to myself I got to the end of the book and I thought to myself that's awesome I can't wait to read more and then I found out today, <laughs> That's the end. this is it. That's the whole thing. Like this, you know, 160 some page book. It's 161. It's exactly 160. Yeah. 160 page book is it. And that's the whole storyline. And that, that I actually, that made me be like, okay, I, now I'm not so sure about this anymore because I feel like there could have been another 50 or so pages of, you know, resolution to this and, I would be really happy if they did a second one that goes back and then sort of closes out what happened to the world after the guy who was sort of cultivating it died right? and what happened in the real world and what happens with him and the French girl and where the fucking nemesis was from actually. And like there, there's just questions that are asked that yeah. it's like, nah, this isn't really important. There's an argument. There's an argument for not answering those questions, right? Absolutely. There's, and it's, and it is it's a valid argument um and i don't necessarily need every single little loophole closed but i just feel like there are the ki- balance between closure and questions is is wrong yeah. at the end of this it's it's one of those things like i don't need everything answered like there are minor details that are you know whatever it doesn't really matter but there are major questions that I don't like. Let's say that this book asks seven important questions: mm-hmm. who the alternate world is, where the nemesis is from, what's going on with this guy's life. It answers two of those, yeah, and it just it leaves you wanting, I mm-hmm. guess, which is not something I want personally out of an experience. Yeah. Like if something's going to be a short run comic, I want to get a sense of completion out of it. Mm-hmm. This book does not have it at the end, which makes me. The the good thing I think that comes from that is it does make me want to go reread it. However, um, I have a bad feeling that if I reread it, I'm still not going to have those questions answered, and it's not going to really cl- like. There have been things that I've read in the past where at the end of the first read through, I didn't get it, and then the more times I read through it, the more of it I understand. Yeah. Um, I'm skeptical that I will get that out of this. 
I don't know if the payoff would be worth it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, like there's exactly. certain, like, you know, I've said many times, many, many times how much I love Planetary and I can reread it over and over again and I get something new out of it each time. I would rather do that than reread this. Now, mind you, this is not nearly as in-depth as something like Planetary. And it's good, but it's not... But at least Planetary had a... It had a superficial... Uh, it had a superficial ending that ga- gave you closure at, at at least one level with layers of depth that you can glean from it if you've paid attention the more and attention or reread you pay, it. The, yeah, the more attention you pay, right? the more you reread it, the Whereas more you get Whereas this, I feel like I paid a lot of attention to this book because it... it it forces you to right like yeah. you're when you're when you start it off and you start seeing the weird shit it forces it draws you in enough then it forces you and it just tells you outright you best pay attention to what the fuck's going on here because it's going to matter later yeah and it kind of doesn't one thing that like one point that really irritates me is the uh, the artist that he meets halfway through the book mm-hmm. who dies kind of melts it never explains what happened to nope. him it just he, he just melted yeah, he, just, he, just, he, just, he talked to the blonde girl she told him something he said you can't be serious and then sort of melted like ink yeah I, it's it was yeah i don't know i i don't know i don't know what i don't know what more to say about this book it's um it is interesting i will give i will give that i i do not necessarily agree with Kurt Busiek's uh, quote on the cover that it is a dreamlike, compelling tour de force. Um, it's dreamlike. It, dreamlike. Uh, it's sort of compelling until you read the end. Tour de force is a little much. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I. It's hard for me to say that I don't like it. Yeah, it's, right? it's hard for it's me to like, form an opinion on it. <laughs> right? Um, and it says grandfather, by the way, not his dad at the nursing home. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, you know what, I guess I'll just, I am so wildly undecided about this book. Um, so what I'm going to say is I'm, I'm going to start by borrow burn with the two of us and I'm going to say borrow because one, you can get it for free on the internet. Um, it is a web comic that is available for free at sintitulocomic.com. Um, or if you feel like if you want to own it and you want to have the ability to reread it in one sit through, um, in a paper form, the, the dark horse, Hardcover is gorgeous. Like it's a fantastic hardcover for this book. Um, I would be willing to say borrow, but I'm not sure that uh, given the option between paying twenty bucks for the hardcover or reading it for free on the internet, clearly go read it for free on the internet because it's something that is going to be like who knows if you're going to like it by the time you get done with it. Yeah, like I, I kind of walked into this one completely blind. I had no idea what it was about, and me too. I'm still sort of in shock from finishing it and whatnot. I would, I'm going to go with borrow as well. Um, I'm contemplating buying something and then just writing notes all throughout the fucking sides <laughs> of it. Just annotating to, the shit out of it. Just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Cause I think there's something there and I'm not sure if it's my lack of perception or understanding or if it's just, um, on Cameron's part where he purposely left stuff vague, but I this book is weird. It's the first book that I want to figure out. Like, yeah. I don't want to read it. I want to figure it out. I want to understand it. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a testament to how he wrote it. Right. Because yeah. there is a point where you're frustrated because you're like, God, this doesn't fucking solve anything. But then 
the second the secondary thought you know the stages of grief after anger is like uh what is it pleading or whatever it's like now you're like what the i need to know it's <laughs> like losing a loved uh, one yeah <laughs> it's like um now you're now yeah i'm the same way i'm like i really i do want to go reread it to see if to see if that depth is there or if we're trying to Im- impose our own viewpoints and give it depth when there isn't any yeah yeah so yeah a, a couple of solid borrows it if if for not if nothing else the artwork is fantastic and there are some really great elements throughout the book that make it interesting uh but the it really does suffer from the the buildup is on par with anything that i've ever read like it's almost brubaker-esque there's just it's a, like almost a series of weird vignettes that you're yeah. trying to figure out it's sort of horror-esque sort of fantasy-ish mm-hmm. um i mean it's i can't i don't know if i can say it's good but it's it is compelling yeah it's it's, it's like it's a compelling. cronenberg movie yeah so yeah. basically i feel like i got hit by a truck <laughs> So, uh, for the next several shows, actually, I'll just talk about the next two shows for now because um, up to sixty should be up to sixty. 20. Yeah. So, uh, this is episode fifty-eight. Sintitulo, sintitulo. Uh, episode fifty-nine is going to be of east west. of west. The first trade of east of west, which, which I think is the first five issues. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever the first arc ish um which i'm looking forward to rereading because uh that's one of my favorite of hickman's books um in a long time i really enjoy it it's good um and that was joel's suggestion uh and then for episode 60 we are doing a long read through of uh, 100 bullets we're gonna talk about the entirety of 100 bullets front to back i finished it a couple of weeks ago about three weeks ago um Hopefully, uh, like Anne's got my copies now, and I know that you've read through it once at least, twice. Um, twice so yeah, I think it's. Um, I'll have a lot to say about it. I, so will I. So yeah. So we're doing we're doing East of West, and then a full read through of Hundred Bullets for episode sixty. Um, and I, I mentioned this on the last episode, but I'll mention it again: is that uh, we're going to try and do a long read of something big for every every tenth episode. So. Uh, episode 60 is going to be 100 bullets and then we're going to pick things like preacher uh preacher um why the last man i really really want to do bone um okay and things like that but we're just going to do a long read through of of something so if we ever get to episode 200 we're doing cerebus oh jesus 32 volumes oh god Ah. 700 issues let's do strangers in paradise let's not (laughs) Uh, do you want to do a long read through of a uh, super truck and boring girl? Uh, no, no, I do not. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite content to never read anything by Mr. Morgan. Uh, to to be fair, where he's the writer. Okay, to be no, no, no. To be fair, Strangers in Paradise is a very good book. It's just not it's not my cup. Of it's tea. not my cup of tea. Like I, I don't. I'm not going to ever say that the quality in that book is bad because it's fantastic. Like it's a very well written. The characters are really great. I've read three volumes of it i think and it's just not it's just not interesting to me but it's a really good book the way i look at it is like i like action movies i like you know <laughs> comedies i like horrors i don't necessarily want to watch a 14 point or a 14 part masterpiece theater british thing of rom drum rom drum yeah, yeah. No, not interested yeah no i i understand but i just don't want to i mean Super Truck and Boring Girl was dumb. I'm going to give that... So bad. It was not good. Um, 
I have not read Rachel Rising at all yet. I've heard good things about it, but I'm not going to. It's solid. Um, so, well, was that, wasn't that written by Terry Moore as well? Yeah, probably, but so, uh, what, I'm saying the, if you can put 10 Terry Moore books on the shelf in front of me, <laughs> I'll, I might be interested in half of one. Yeah. So he, he just writes something different than what I like. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, this has been episode 58 in Titulo. We are going to do, uh, East of West and then 100 Bullets for the next two episodes. Uh, if you would like to, if you would like to get a hold of us and be part of the show, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can post to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash tradesecretspodcast. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at tradesecretspod. Andy is at mathtastrophe on Twitter. I am at geekylite, even though, you know, for the next... 27 days or so i'm you're not on you're not on social not media. on social media you will see if you follow me on twitter you will see show announcements and announcements for articles and blog posts that i write but that's the only thing i'm posting i'm just not i'm i'm taking a break because to be honest dude i have never found something that has all of the signs of an addiction as badly as facebook and twitter for me really oh seriously dude the last three days have been like fucking withdraw it's it's this and I wrote I kind of wrote about this on my blog but I was like um the it has it has stripped me of any ability to uh appreciate delayed gratification for things. I can't wait for stuff anymore because I've got all these like I'll post something to Facebook or I'll post something to Twitter and then I will sit there and like I'll go back into it every 20 minutes or so and wait for like reply likes or retweets or fucking you know shares on facebook or replies and it's that little fucking notification icon waiting for something to pop when it refreshes it's like these little micro gratifications where you where i'm like every 15 or so minutes i'm like oh somebody somebody's listening to me yay and it it has it has fucked with my focus it's fucked with my attention span it's fucked with my ability to wait for delayed gratification on anything so i need like this instant gratification on stuff so i I, the end toward the end of last year i was trying to work on writing my book and i i couldn't focus on it and even like i i was i also said this on my blog it's like when i i'd be reading a book and between every single chapter i would put the book down and pop my ipad on so i'd look at twitter or facebook and it's just like that's not okay. No, no, it's <laughs> not. So I'm taking a month off of social media to because I, for me, I can't I can't ramp down things. I if I need to if I need to fix like the balance of something in my Just life, I have it. to I have to cut it for a period of time and then slowly reintroduce. So for the month of January, I'm off social media altogether, um, with the exception of posting art. Like I said, art. If I write an article or if I write a review or something, um, I'll post it out there. Oh, speaking of reviews. Uh, I wrote a review on geekerific.com for a book called Revelations, which until I started doing the review, uh, I did not realize that it's actually a reprint. Um, Boom Studios is reprinting this book. It's uh, the former Spectacular Spider-Man team of Paul Jenkins and Umberto Ramos. And it is a book... um, It's a book about uh, a detective that gets called in to investigate what is initially ruled a suicide of a, a cardinal in the Vatican. Anyway, uh, go to geekrific.com, check out my review of Revelations, and if you can find it, pick it up, because I guess it's um, it was originally published in 2005 by Dark Horse, but it 
I, I don't know if it just had a low print run or whatever, but Boom Studios acquired it. And instead of just like printing it in a hardcover or something, they're reserializing it. They're, ta- nice. they're putting it out monthly again. My hope is that they're reserializing it in in advance of a continuation of some sort. Cool. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, yeah, next episode we are going to do East of West. The episode after that is 100 Bullets. This has been episode 58 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Thank you for showing up, Andy, to yeah, your no, own apartment. Yeah, you know, I got no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I am Luke, and we are out. Keep on the making it better, do it faster, makes us stronger.